Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show podcast where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. As always, the music for the show today is provided by Misha Zarin, so thank you, Misha. I also want to briefly mention the Ozarks Food Harvest, which is a food bank here in southwest Missouri. To be clear, I have no official relationship with the Ozarks Food Harvest, but they are doing very important and meaningful work to help feed hungry people across many locations. I encourage you to find a way to contribute to your local food bank, as it is a cause that has an immediate impact on people in your area. I also invite you to subscribe to the podcast on the platform of your choice, as well as follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at The Walk Show or The Walk Show Pod. Um, All of the, the links to those platforms are available in the show notes. This week, we are joined by Dr. Denise Moravel, who is a CEO, founder, an award-nominated best-selling author, speaker, and personal development coach. For over 25 years, she has literally helped people find their voices. Dr. Denise started as a speech therapist in which she has a master's degree, and then decided she also needed a PhD in counseling, so she went and got that. Dr. Denise is also the author of Own Your Amazing and its website, ownyouramazingnow.com. Dr. Denise is one of the most fun people I have ever had the privilege of speaking with, and I'm sure you will enjoy our chat. Without further ado, let's get on to the conversation with Dr. Denise. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Dr. Denise, thank you so much for joining. How are you doing this evening? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Well, it is a real pleasure to have you. Um, and I do want to shout out our, our mutual friend. We were just chatting about her before we started, but uh, that introduced us, uh, Carolyn Owens, um, uh, who is was a guest on my show just very recently. So folks, if you're interested, please go listen to that episode. She's a wonderful lady, but uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to Carolyn for introducing us because she's she's awesome. So <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So um, I'm going to be on her show, I think, in a couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to that conversation oh, with her. Yeah, yeah, she's <laughs> she's she's great. Um, so so Dr. Denise, um, you are a very accomplished person, a, a woman of many talents. Um, <laughs> You are an author, um, you're a coach, uh, you're a speech pathologist, yes. is that, you know? um, mm-hmm. you're a speaker, um, yes. you're, you're making inspirational videos on Facebook throughout the week on a regular basis, so um, you're just out here doing all sorts of stuff. What was the, where did you kind of start in, in all of these different things? Was the speech, speech pathology, which maybe I need some of that. Uh, was that? <laughs> <laughs> that happens to everybody. Man. Like stutterer, stutter and all that. I was like, just relax. I'm not listening to how you're talking. I, just, I, I know you're you. judging me. So I have <laughs> to, you know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but so was, was the speech pathology where you started with, in all of those different things? Or where did you start out at? Yes, um, I did start as a speech pathologist. I went to school for that um, undergraduate degree, master's degree in speech pathology. So uh, I've been doing that for over 27 years now. Wow. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, you know, it's a it's a topic that I'm not that familiar with. Um, I mean, I I know loosely, you know, what what it, it, it entails, but when it comes to speech pathology, um, I guess, first off, I'll start. Who, who are your primary clients with that? Is it, is it mostly children or is it a mix of adults and children or who do you work with? It's primarily children, primarily preschoolers and school age children. Mm-hmm. Um, many moons ago, <laughs> I used to work in nursing homes and hospitals. I've done acute care. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I've ran the gamut. But my sweet spot is young children. I believe mm-hmm. in early intervention. 
I believe, mm-hmm. in helping them to get off on the right start so that they don't have issues with their communication skills as they become adults. Mm-hmm. But um, the adults I've, I've worked with over the years were ones who maybe had a stroke or had a, a traumatic brain injury, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, I, I really love working with young children and school age children. So, and, and again, this speaks to my ignorance on the topic, but um, and, and I, 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 I'm trying so hard. I don't want to be insensitive at all. So I'm trying sure. to frame this correctly because I'm not trying to be dismissive of any of it at all. But is it, it when someone has a, an issue with their speech, is it, is it ever like a, like a physical thing or is it always more of like a, and I don't want to, I don't even want to say mental. I mean, maybe that's right, but I guess maybe a question, maybe an easier way to say it is like, is it similar almost to like an accent where like someone might talk in a certain way and not even, not even real. I mean, like, I don't know that people from, I'll pick on people from New York. I don't know that the guy from, from Brooklyn thinks he talks like he's from Brooklyn. Even all the rest of us are really certain that he talks like he's from. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It does. Mm-hmm. So with some people, there is a physical um, physical condition mm-hmm. that is hindering their ability to communicate effectively. Mm-hmm. There may be issues with um, the way their tongue moves. Mm-hmm. It may be issues with um, their lips, you know, some kids have a cleft palate, a cleft lip, you mm. know, things like that. So there can be a physical dimension or factor that hinders speech, uh, but it also can be a um, a cognitive issue, mm. meaning you have some people who um, have low co- cognitive functioning that impacts their ability to communicate. Um, with some people, there is a theory when it comes to stuttering, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with someone who may stutter, right? Mm-hmm. So that, so there are theories that support that there's a physical component to it, but also a mental in terms of stress or mm-hmm. anxiety mm-hmm. may also be a factor that plays into it. So it can be multidimensional as to why a person has a speech disorder. Yeah, well, that and that makes perfect sense because it turns out that everything in life is nuanced and is on some sort of a spectrum, right? So, of course, exactly. it's not just all one thing. Exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah. I had a, a good friend of mine that when I was in high school that had a problem stuttering, but mm-hmm. he was in choir and he could sing and he would never stutter when he sang, right? So I know it, it wasn't something that that uh, was inescapable for him, I guess, is my point. So, yeah. Um, well, so how did you, how did you come to, to decide to, to pursue that career? Did you have an experience with that as a, as a child or as a young person that kind of drove you in that, or did it just something that fascinated you when you went to school for it? Or how did you choose that, that path? So, uh, I think it, I tell people it chose me. I didn't choose it. I never, I never grew up saying, Oh, let me be a speech pathologist. No, I didn't even know what that was. Um, but, um, I was slated to be a math major. Actually, I was really good at math. And I thought I was going to be an accountant, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, riveting and, life. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I remember my 11th grade year in high school, I took an accounting class because they were like, oh, you're great at math. Accounting be a great career. Sure. OK. I took the accounting class and I used to get in trouble in the class because I always wanted to talk. Mm. <laughs> you and me are kindred spirits, then, my friend. <laughs> So it's like after I balance my balance sheet, whatever, I, my things balance, I want to talk about the numbers. Mm-hmm. I was like, what did you get? How did your numbers come out? Right. And the teacher was like, shh, got to be quiet. I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> and so one day I asked the teacher because she was a 
professional accountant and she, she just taught the class, you know, as a side job or whatever. And so I asked her about her day. I said, so what do you do? And so she's like, I go to my office, I work on different projects and da, da, da. I was like, oh yeah. And like, who do you talk to? And she was like, uh, nobody. I was like, I don't think this is the career for me. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I want to talk to people. Yes. And so I went to undergrad and uh, I was I went as an undecided major. Mm. At that point, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I did not want to be an accountant. Mm-hmm. And so this one particular class, it was for under, undecided majors, freshmen mm. who did not know what they wanted to do. And so every few weeks, every week, they would have a different person from a different field to come in and talk to the class. Mm. And lo and behold, a speech pathologist came in. Ah, I was like, oh, what is that? Oh, okay. Well, I, I can get paid to talk. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's really how I, I got into the field. Uh, I have, have loved it. It has been so rewarding on so many levels, but uh, no, I didn't grow up saying I want to be a speech pathologist. I didn't know what that was, you know? Sure. sure. And so, but I have thoroughly enjoyed being able to work with people and their communication skills. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's wonderful. Uh, it reminds me uh, very loosely related to my my own one of my own experiences. I thought when I was a kid that I wanted to be a lawyer because, mm-hmm. like yourself, I like to talk, and I thought that being a lawyer was being clever in a courtroom. And I was like, oh, I could be clever in a courtroom. Right. However, I had luckily I had an opportunity to work for a law office when I was in high school over a mm-hmm. summer for a friend's dad, and um, I realized that being a lawyer is actually largely being silent and writing research papers. And I have zero interest in doing that. So right. it's like 90% academia and then like 10% courtroom cleverness. And so, yeah, I, same thing. I dipped out of that quick. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need, I don't, I don't need, I don't need the research paper job. Yeah, I won't exactly. do that well. <laughs> you just want to be clever. Correct. 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 So, um, but anyway, yeah. um, so then, so so then you you've you've moved on, well, not moved on because you still do the speech pathology. I do. Um, so in addition, I should say you you've then added to that um, a coaching business as well. Is that correct? That's correct, and I I feel like the coaching business is an extension. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. Um, I feel like with the coaching business, I am still trying to help people to find their voice. Right. Because I literally do that with in my speech practice. I help people to re- literally find their voice, mm-hmm. to to live their voice out loud, to to shine, to speak, to communicate. And so uh, a few years ago, I was on my own journey of self-discovery, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've ha- had levels of success, but just was not feeling fulfilled and happy. It's kind of like it has to be more to the, my life than this, you know. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I was like, you know, what is it? And, I, and so I discovered that I really wasn't living my worth out loud. I really was not living authentically mm-hmm. and really doing the things that made me happy. So uh, that's how the Own Your, Mo- Own Your Amazing movement got started is through my own journey. And over the years, you know, more, more women and some men have joined <laughs> have joined the party. But I really feel like it's an extension of what the work the work I've been doing as a speech therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that's kind of why. I mean, I I without knowing much about it, of course, that that's that I had that same thought where when I when I was looking at your website and and, mm-hmm. and thinking about just the the work that you've done, 
that it does seem like they're related. And that's kind of why I wanted, why I opened up with asking the question about is, are the speech issues largely, at least obviously not literally every single case, but is it largely more of something for a person to, to learn to overcome versus like a literal physical thing. That's just, that's just a thing. Right. Yeah. Um, Because that's like coaching, right? Like people uh, in trying to find, you know, happiness or success or, or whatever that is, they're trying to find, I think, um, find themselves and myself included, but in places where it feels like there's this thing that's, that's preventing you from getting there, but, but really it, it like, it can be overcome. Right. And it's, it's having to learn and get that support to learn how to overcome that thing, whatever that may be. And what's really interesting is that, um, again, I work primarily with preschoolers and school age children. I found, I found over the years I have to do, I've had to do a lot more coaching with the parents. Yeah. Uh, because there are so yeah. many emotional um, blocks, uh, so many, they come with a lot of baggage yeah. that um, I realized that if I didn't address that part, mm-hmm. that getting to the mechanics of it was going to be hard because it was so many other things that I needed to address first uh, with the parent and then with the kid as well. And so actually my PhD is in counseling. Oh, Okay. It's not even in speech therapy. I I felt like I had enough degrees in speech therapy, (laughs) but I felt like um, to be more effective, I needed to really address the emotional part, the mental part, all those other things that will play into whether or not I can get to this actual speech and mechanics of it all. And so I felt like um, my preparation as a speech therapist did not really prepare me for the emotional part, the the other part of it that comes when you're dealing with uh, a child, a family member, whomever that has a communication issue. For an example, I don't know how many dads I've talked to (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, just to allow their child to have speech therapy. Oh, wow. Not that I didn't recognize that the child had an issue, but Mm -hmm. their own stuff, their Mm -hmm. own like, oh, I feel like a failure. What did I do to my kid? If I don't mm. deal with all of that, I can't even get to the kid because mm. the parent has to bring the kid. You know, I have to make sure that they are on board. I can't tell you the number of, of parents who sat in my office and cried mm. when I had to tell them, yes, your child has a speech disorder or something like that, you know, and helping them to work through that just so they can be on board to bring their kid, to do right. the homework, to make sure that um, they're making progress. And so I just wanted to be more equipped and better able to serve in that capacity. So that's why I went and got additional training because I wanted to make sure that um, I would be able to reach them in the a, in a, in a most effective way. So it's, it's coaching, you know, I, I've been doing coaching for years because I had to coach the families, coach the kids, coach yeah. everybody, be on board for this thing. Um, even the children, keeping them motivated, inspired, you know, um, if I have a little person, I'll ask the parent, like, do they know they have a speech impediment? And for the most part, they might be like, no, I'm like, good. Let's <laughs> 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 keep it that way, you know, because I don't want them to feel self-conscious. Right. I don't want to feel them to feel bad about themselves, because if they do, I got to work through all of that just yep. so I can get to the mechanics of helping them with their speech. So much there, so much truth and all that. Um Man, I have so many directions I want to go now, so I'm going to try and go through them. Okay. Um, 
you'll you'll learn here on the walk show as we go through this that it's kind of I, I I constantly relate it to like a wheel and like I have all these like spokes that are thoughts and and it it's not always consecutive so just okay, bear good. with me I love it uh, let's go <laughs> Um, well, so the first thing it makes me think of is, so my mom uh, was a, a dietitian and specifically a pediatric dietitian. Mm. And so she worked a lot with children, right? Mm-hmm. Pediatric. Uh, so the, 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 the point being that, <laughs> I don't mean to be redundant. Um, <laughs> the point just being though that, 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 that she had the exact same experience. Now I will say that, you know, she didn't go get a, a counseling degree um, to, to supplant that or whatever, but she she had the same experience in that especially when you're dealing with a child, like you can tell the child what the diet is, but they're not going grocery shopping. So it's, I mean, yeah, they need to be convinced and yeah, they need to be on board, but just as much, if not more so the parents need to be on board. Right. Absolutely. Um, so that, that's interesting just to see that parallel between two things that I wouldn't think of a dietitian and a speech pathologist, you know what I mean? But, but it, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, then the other thing I wanted to say is that it's, it's so interesting to hear you say, uh, that you have a counseling degree because I, so I, I am pretty new to the world of coaching and, and counseling and all that stuff. Um, I do work with a life coach that I've been working with for, I want to say maybe nine months now. Um, she's delightful and has helped me tremendously, but I also did go see a psychologist for a brief period through my job. I had a, an opportunity to, to get like six free sessions with a, a psychologist. And so I went and did it just to see and, um, and really got a lot out of that too. Yeah. But it, it, it struck me that while certainly coaching and, and, and counseling can be are different practices, um, and and I mean in your case you actually do have the counseling certification, but a lot of coaches maybe don't have that medical kind of you know that that doctorate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, it, it, both activities are activities in which a person gets to talk to someone who is just focused on helping them overcome whatever obstacles they're facing. Right. So while they can be different and I I know some coaches are kind of timid about, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to act. They don't want to trivialize the work that, that counselors and on the medical side do and the expertise they have. And and so I get that and I don't want to dismiss that either, but I just, I, I find the two very similar. So it's really interesting to hear you talk about your counseling degree and then how you've turned that into a coaching business. Right. Like what's interesting is that when I got my, counseling degree, I took coaching classes too. Mm. Hmm. So it's because there's two, there's two different approaches and different, they're similar in approach, but there are some differences. And I wanted to make sure I was um, informed in both. Mm -hmm. And so I find that I do more coaching than counseling, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I think that also speaks to just my job as a speech pathologist in terms of, um, any person I work with, the first thing we talk about, like, what's the goal? Mm. We always have to have long-term goals. So what are the long-term goals? Okay, then what are the short-term goals? Okay, what am I going to do to execute that? So that's coaching to me. I don't have to get into all the, uh, the reason why the person have a speech, you know, speech impediment. I get into some of the medical background initially, but for the most part, okay, this is what they're presenting with. Okay, they have a TBI, traumatic brain injuries. Okay, they got hit by a car. Okay, got it. But okay, so what's the goal now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where do we need to focus? What's the long-term goal? What are the short-term goals? What are the strategies we're going to use? I think that's what coaching is, you know? Right. So um, I understand both, you know? Um, I just wanted to make sure I was um, educated and informed in um, my approach. And I just wanted to be more effective in my job 
Yeah. Um, I remember in graduate school, this is what kind of triggered it too. I remember in graduate school, I was working at a hospital, interning at a hospital. And um, one of the clients, he was an older gentleman and he was hard of hearing. So I was actually teaching him how to read lips, right? Mm. And he, during one of the sessions, he just started crying because he got so frustrated. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to say. (laughs) I didn't know what to do. And I was like, you know, I'm just sitting there. He's looking at me and I felt so inadequate Mm -hmm. that I just really didn't know how to help this gentleman work through that and process it so that we could get back on track and working on the goals. So that just always struck me like, "Ah, I want to make sure I can support the person uh, if there is some type of emotional back, um, breakdown that I can support them to get them back on track right? and focus back on the goals and things we have to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, and, and it, it all speaks to, to the other point that you made um, a moment ago in that, you know, does, does the, does the kid know that they have a speech impediment? And if the yeah. answer is no, that's better because then there's not these layers of, of self doubt or, you know, insecurity to work through. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is such an important point and one that I have only very recently learned in my own life. Um, I, I think that there, I think it's common and, and I say that because I thought it, so it must be common, right? right. Um, <laughs> um, but I think, I think it's common um, that, but no, that like, and I'll, I'll just speak for myself. So in my own, in my own life, um, I had I had developed this really long-standing pattern of um, of engaging in behavior that didn't align with what I really wanted or who I really wanted to be. Right, mm-hmm. so I, I make a decision or I, I do something that, that doesn't align with with what I want, and so then out of a, a, a and it's foolish ultimately, um, but out of this like sense of like accountability or something like, because I know, right. Like I know that I shouldn't have done the, the whatever, like for myself, you know, I have struggled with my weight for a long time. So maybe, maybe I go eat fast food or something and I know I shouldn't eat the fast food and man, the word should carries a lot of guilt with it. Right. But anyway, um, <laughs> had to learn that too. Um, <laughs> but, but so, but so out of this like sense of, of, of accountability, I would then, tell myself bad things about myself, right? Which is this insecurity and this self-flagellation kind of thing you're talking about. And and what I didn't understand and what I've taken a long time to unpack and learn, which my coach has helped me with tremendously, is that, and it's what you just spoke to, is that whenever you start adding in all this stuff where you beat yourself up, well, now you've got to unpack all of that before you can solve the problem that you really need to solve, Right. Yeah. But I think that people engage in this not out of, I mean, it's it's not like they're trying to shoot themselves in the foot, but they are, but they're doing it because they, again, I say they, me, I did it because I thought that, that, that was like me, like paying my due, if you will, or again, mm. like being accountable, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just think it's so important for people to, to hear. And again, not from, from me, this layman, but from you, the expert that, that that man that doesn't that that won't that doesn't work right it doesn't help no. just just like you're talking about with with the child and it turns out that <laughs> as as fancy as we like to think ourselves as adults we're not that different than the kid you know what I mean anyway it that just resonated with me when you said that so I just wanted to share that thought <laughs> and, and it's so true and, and thank you for sharing that but it's so true I remember 
Uh, I've had life coaches and business coaches uh, over the years. Uh, and I remember one coach, she was asking me, she was like, why haven't you achieved X, Y, and Z in your business? Why haven't your business grown? I was like, because of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, uh, I need help with getting out of my mm-hmm. own way. It wasn't that I couldn't learn the strategies. Right. You know what I mean? So it wasn't that, oh, I couldn't learn how to, I don't know, write an email. You know, that's that's strategy. Mm-hmm. But I, I couldn't write the email because of all the in, insecurities I had about putting myself yes. out there. So that was the piece. Like we had to deal with my own insecurities, my own low self-esteem, just so I could write the right. email. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's the thing. And so I do a lot of my coaching is mindset. You know, people can learn strategy. You can learn how to write an email. You can learn how to put a business plan together. But what stops you from writing the business plan? What stops you from doing the Facebook lives? You know, all of those kind of things that I deal with with people. Um, I have a co- I have a um, lady who's um, I'm just helping her now start her business. Right. And so one of the things we talked about, like just laying the foundation, just basic business structure. And so one of the things I told, I said, um, I want you to go take a professional picture, get a headshot, because as you're putting yourself out there, people are going to ask for your headshot, da, 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 right? So that was week one. By week four, she still had not taken the mm. picture. And so I said, let's talk about yeah. that. I said, is it not, did you don't, do you know a photographer? She was like, yeah, I know plenty of photographers. She said, well, I've canceled the appointment five times with the photographer. And I said, why is that? Mm -hmm. She was like, I don't want to take a picture right now because I've gained Mm. weight. So it wasn't that she couldn't get a headshot done. We had to deal with her own insecurities that was preventing her from doing the stuff, for implementing And so had I not stopped to say, okay, what is that about? This is week four. There should be no reason why you hadn't taken a picture because you can, you know, a photographer, you, you, you can get that done. But she was like, uh, I'm feeling self-conscious about my body. Let's deal mm-hmm. with that. So it's those things that stop us, not the other stuff that stops us from implementing. Um, so we have to deal with right. it. And, um, and that's what I, it was, that's what I'm choosing to do. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it's, it, it's, it's so interesting. It's a lesson that I, that I continue to learn. And, and, and so here again, I'm jumping around, but so I, I listened to your, your okay. chats that you did this week on Facebook on Tuesday and on, on, on today, Thursday morning. Um, yeah. And, and you're talking in, and I'm kind of putting them together a little bit, but you, you talked about, mm-hmm. um, about finding happiness, right? That's what both of the conversations are, are about. Um, and mm-hmm. in, in one, you talk about, recognizing um, what we have to be grateful for, right? And then seeing Mm -hmm. how you can turn that into something that you could maybe use to help someone else. And then also you, you, and then in in, in today's video, which was kind of piggybacked off of that, right? They're related ideas, Mm -hmm. but, Mm -hmm. um, but again, you talked more about like how, if you need happiness, if you go help someone, give someone else happiness, you can get that back. And, and it made me think, so it's a lesson I've continued to, to learn. I mean, man, I just can't stop learning it, apparently. And it's this, the, the metaphor I use is that when you point one finger out, three point back, right? Absolutely, yeah. And that, so that's a metaphor for like, well, if, if you think that, that something else is the problem, like probably, I mean, maybe it is, but you have to change yourself to change that kind of thing, right? So so just like with the photography thing, like she she needs to work on her own insecurity in order to to accomplish this thing to this obstacle of getting the picture. But what your your talk 
made me realize or think was in specifically about the idea of if you need happiness, then you you should try and provide happiness to someone else. And man, <laughs> I feel like I'm getting rambly, but the idea is that like, so normally with that metaphor, you're pointing the finger outward and the three are pointing back at you. But if mm -hmm. you need something, well, now you're pointing the finger at yourself. But now what mm -hmm. happens is those three fingers are pointing back out, right? So the same thing is yeah. true in the opposite way, right? Oh, I love that. Where it's yeah. like, like, so if I need something, well, then now what I see is that I need to give that out in order to get that back. Um, yeah. And I think both oh. things are true simultaneously, right? But anyway, yes. that, that just that made me made me think of that when I listened. <laughs> That was so good. That was deeper than what I. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about that next week. <laughs> Please do. Please do. I'm like, woo! That was that was good. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't go that deep on it. Point, and I was like, oh, I like. Yeah, that. well, it, it's just an easy metaphor for me to keep in my mind, right? Because you can, yeah. anytime you need to think about it, you can just look, point your hand, point your finger at someone, and you yeah. see it, right? Like you just see the lesson yeah. built into your body. Um, yeah. so I don't know. It just, it just really, it just really resonated with me. So I, I really appreciate those videos that you're doing. I mean, I, you know, I, like you were just oh, saying, thank you. um, you just don't know who you're going to reach and, and how, how you're going to affect people. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was a really powerful, a really powerful point that you made. Thank you for that. And thank you for saying that. And that, that makes my point because there are times when I don't want to do the videos or there've been times where I think like, is anybody listening? Right. Do any is is this of any value? Yeah. But I tell myself, well, do it anyway because there may be at least one person you can help. There may be one person that can get something out of it, and it'd be mm -hmm. worth it. And so that's the whole thing about understanding we all have value, we all have worth, mm -hmm. that we all have something to share. Mm -hmm. um, and that is a message I tell you I have to stress all the time to my kids with speech therapy issues that you are still valuable. Mm -hmm you still have something meaningful to say. It may not come out right, right just now, but we're gonna work on that. But what you have to say is important. One of the stories uh, years ago, I worked in an elementary school and I had a small group of um, kids I was working with. And uh, one little boy, he really had a really, really severe stuttering mm. problem. And so every every year when I had, would have my class, my kids would come to the group. We always I would set the stage and say, we're going to be respectful to each other. Uh, everybody's here to work on something, you know, so we're going to make sure we take the time and everybody has an opportunity mm -hmm. to talk. Everybody knew that we're going to be respectful no matter what, because a lot of these kids were bullied. They were teased already. I didn't, I wanted when it came to me to be a safe place for them to talk and say, say, however it comes out, it's yep. okay. So one particular day, this little boy, he was the boy who stuttered. He was trying to tell me something and he was having a hard time getting it out. But you know, I was mm -hmm. listening. And one of the kids in the group was like, just say it already. Just get it out. Mm. And I was almost in tears for the little boy because his head mm -hmm. went down. His countenance changed. 
you can just tell he was just crushed. And I never wanted to see that, you know? And so of course I said to the other kids like, no, you can't, don't do that. We're not going to do that. What he has to say is important and we're going to wait for him to say whatever he needs Mm -hmm. to say. And I said, we're, we're not going to do that. And so I, and I saw the little boy pick his head. I said, go ahead, go ahead and finish what you have to say. We all are going to Mm -hmm. wait. And he took his time and he got it out and he was just so proud of himself for just sharing. I don't even remember what it was, but he just, he was, it it was important to him. It was important to him. And so um, to have him to leave and go back to class with his head held up to me, that was, that was just everything, you know, because I didn't want him to leave out of there feeling defeated the feeling like his voice didn't matter and that um, just because he couldn't get his words out that, you know, he couldn't talk. No, say what you have to say. We'll wait. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll wait. I think that's a really, that's a really important Ooh. thing. And and it's, you know, um, patience is an important thing for us to practice with each other. And I think it goes right yes. in hand with what you also were just demonstrating in that story, which is empathy. Right. Um, yes. And I think that, yes. uh, that patience and empathy for others is something that again, I'll use myself that I can understand, but what I've struggled, what I, again, yet, yet another thing I've learned in this last year is having patience and empathy with myself. Right. Ooh, right. One. Yeah. Cause, yes. cause it, you, again, it goes back to that. Like, well, I'm going to hold myself accountable. And like, I'm a terrible person. I'm a monster. Cause I do these things, but, but I know that I would never say that to someone else. And it's like, why would you say it to yourself? You know, like <laughs> we create these crazy walls for ourselves, and, and don't, and don't even know it, which is why coaching and counseling and these things are so valuable. Um, and I think there's a lot of stigmas surrounding counseling where people think, Oh, it means that I'm, and I, I'm just going to use a flippant term, but like, Oh, it means I'm crazy or it means, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sick. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> it doesn't mean that, no. you know? But I think that coaching is an avenue that doesn't carry those same stigmas, but that can mm-hmm. be used to help people overcome a, at least a lot of the same problems, if not maybe every single problem that a counselor would help with. I totally agree. And I always tell people, even when I talk about coaching and the benefits of it, um, I always use the analogy of elite athletes. Mm. They all have coaches. Right. You named you somebody at that level: tennis, football, basketball, golf. You name it; they have coaches. more than one. You're using and, I, plural, and, and right. more than one. You're absolutely <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. And I would say it's not to, um, you know, make them great. They're already great. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan was great. Right. He had a coach, though. He had several coaches, mm-hmm. right? And I said, a coach is to help you see your blind mm-hmm. spots. Because I'm, when I'm living my life, there are certain things I can't see because I'm in my life. But a coach stands on the sideline and be like, hey, don't forget the, they're coming on your right side or don't forget the block on this side. They can see things that we can't see because we're in our life. And so their job is to say, hey, think about this. Don't forget that. And give us a different perspective on how to go back in and play the game right. of life. And so, um, like I said, I've been having I've had life coaches. I got a business yep. coach. I've had a business coach from day one. You know, but I keep me a life coach. <laughs> I keep someone that can help me um, to bounce ideas. I'm like, hey, what, what do you? Th- am I thinking right about this? Or how can I? And, you know, just to keep me on track and, and making sure that uh, mentally I am uh, focused and sharp and, and and comprehending and doing the things I need to do. So, I 
welcome it. And I encourage people to get a coach, counselor, whatever you want to come mentor, right. whatever. But you need somebody in your life to help you with your life. Yeah. <laughs> you well, really and, and, you know, and it, the thing that that struck me about it is that, and I feel I feel weird when I explain it this way, because it, it's not that I don't value the relationship because I do, but it, it, you know, in a friendship, like if you're having a friendship, like a conversation mm-hmm. with friends maybe your friends or family or whoever it is, like maybe they're willing to help you. Right. But at the end of the day, it's a two way street, right? Like if Mm -hmm. I'm going to help you, then you're going to help me. And like, if I tell you about my problems and you're my friend, then then at some point I'm going to need to reciprocate that. Right. And and that's healthy and that's fine. And and, and there's not that there's a problem with that. However, with a coach or a counselor, it isn't that relationship. It's a one way street Mm -hmm. where, you yep. don't owe that because you're, I mean, you're paying, right? So that's the thing that you're, you're right. compensating with. And again, I don't mean that I don't look at my coach as a, as a, as a person and I don't value her. I don't mean that, but just, I, I do get to be selfish and just talk about my thoughts and what I'm going through and try and work through that. And I think yeah. that there's a, I, well, I, I, I know for me, there's a ton of value in that, but I didn't, I didn't realize how much value was in that until I engaged in it. And then I was just like, Oh wow, mm-hmm. this is, this is crazy. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, and so, it, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you is um, like I said, you know, I've been working with my coach for, you know, a little close to a year now and, and she knows me really well. I mean, sometimes she'll say, okay, well, you know, in the past, I know you've said this and this, and it's just like, Oh, you poor thing. You've had to listen to so much of my lecture, you know, like, and, but, but she knows me so well. And I mean, certainly I know her, you know, cause she talks back to me and, and helps me work through things. So it's not like I don't know her at all, but I certainly don't know her like she knows me. Right. Mm-hmm. But I feel mm-hmm. a bond to her because she's helped me mm-hmm. so much, you know, mm-hmm. but I was thinking about how interesting that is because I feel this connection because like here she is saving me over and over again, but she probably doesn't feel that not that she doesn't care for me or something, but just we don't have that reciprocal relationship. So yourself as someone on, on the other side, as the coach, does that, I guess, a, does what I'm talking about make any sense? And and B, if it does, what is it like from that other side? Does that make sense? Like. It it does make sense what you're saying. And you're right. Um, It's not like a friendship, but it is still a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, the people that I coach, like like the lady, young lady I just mentioned before, who I'm helping her with her business, I I really like right. her. You know, I really like her, you know? Um, and so, but I, was, I, was, I also understand boundaries, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, I understand what you're saying is, is my point. And in and, and relationship in a coach and a client, uh, I, even with my speech coaching clients, I love the kids. I, I, I love their families, all you know, but I understand my role as mm-hmm. well. I understand uh, the boundaries of the relationship, but I do really, really care about them. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I, I do. It's, it's not that, oh, this is my client. I really don't care about it. No, I, I right. really care. I it's really, not just a paycheck you know, or something. It's not, not at all. It yeah, there's be. no way you'd stick with it. It's, it can't be. It can't be. You know, it, you can't be. Yeah. Uh, it can't be. But um, even with the families that I serve, you know, I'll, I'll tell the families like um, I'm. I'm now part of the mm-hmm. family. You're part of my family. We, we we're working together. I tell the parent I'm. I'm here to support you in in parenting your child and helping your kid. You know, I'm part of your mm-hmm. team. 
And so, and I make sure I, I present it that way so that they can feel that I, I'm on their side because I really mm-hmm. am. I, I really have their child's best interest at heart. When I'm working with my coaching club, I have your best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I care about what, ha- I want to see you succeed, mm-hmm. you know? That's why you're coming to me. I'm in, I'm in it too. I got skin in the game mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. you know? Because your win is my win, you know? So that's what I think a lot of coaches, like they want to see their clients win. And so they are vested in the relationship, but not like a friendship or a family member in that sense, right. you know? So um, it's, it's, I love it. I, I enjoy the people I work with. Um, I love being a part of their family, quote unquote. I get invited to birthday parties, weddings, you know, as, a, as an extended family member, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Gradual, I've been, been to recitals and all because, you know, I care about the people that I work with. So I think a lot of coaches right. do. So you've got a, a, a book and a website and the book is called Own Your Amazing. And then the website is ownyouramazingnow.com. Yes. So when did you write the book? Uh, two years ago. How did you? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. no two years ago. I was just thinking, like, when did right, I? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, you know, I've, I've interviewed some other authors, uh, our friend, Carolyn, that we mentioned at the top of the show, she's a, yeah. a, an author. Um, and I'm just always so fascinated by, you know, how did you decide to, to, to go down that journey? Cause that is not, that's not light work writing a book, right? That's <laughs> the people can't see your face, but you're making a face that says, <laughs> yes, that is correct. It's not light work. Um, <laughs> so how did, how did you decide Ooh. to go down that? Road? Okay. Let me tell you the story about mm-hmm. that. I had no intentions of writing a book, none whatsoever. So in high school, my high school English teacher, my senior year, my senior year, my English teacher told me I was one of the worst writers he had ever had. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not laughing because I think that's funny. I'm laughing because <laughs> of the absurdity that a teacher would say that to a student. But anyway, <laughs> go on. He did. And the fact that he had been teaching for many right. years. Right. <laughs> so I'm yes. like... I'm the I'm one of the worst. Oh my god, you know. So I'm like, it wasn't like he was the first year teacher for you. I'm like one of the right. worst. Oh my god. So of course I was devastated. <laughs> like okay. So alrighty, I made the top right, list. Right. And so writing has never been easy for me anyway. So I had very little confidence in my writing skills. I got through, yep. you know. And so the little bit of confidence I had, he crushed. Mm. He really got into my head that day, you know? And so I was like, oh my God, I can't write. And so the thought of becoming an author never crossed my mind. Cause I, I thought that was something I couldn't do, mm. you know? And so um, I went through college, you know, undergrad, went, got into graduate school and um, I got accepted to the program, but they would say, you have to take a writing class upon entering the, the master's program. I was like, okay fine with me. And so I did. And so went on with that, you know, began my career. Lo and behold, I decided I'm going to get a PhD and I'm like, okay, great. And then I was like, oh, I got to write a dissertation. Oh my God. <laughs> like, what was I thinking? Because now my English teacher was on my shoulder in my mm. head again, like, uh, uh, you know, and so got through that. And then someone said, oh, you should write a book. I'm like, I'm never writing anything else ever in my life. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And it was like, no, you should write a book. You let people, you know, know your story, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, not going to happen. And then finally one day, I, I really thought about it. And I said, well, okay. And I met with someone who said that she could support me in it. She could help me through the process. 
And I said, okay. And so I remember we had finished writing. It was, it was time to publish and, and to launch. And I didn't want to do it. I got afraid again. I was like, my English teacher said I was a terrible writer. What if people hate my book? What if they think it's terrible, you know? And so I really had to, I fought with myself probably about a week. (laughs) And finally I said, you know what? Well, it's done. (laughs) It's done. And I'm going to put it out there. And if I can help at least one person, it would be worth it. So that was all that I could muster up in order in terms of confidence. So, okay, it could help one person. Let's let just let, let it help one person, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so that's how that came to be. Um, and any, any, my book ended up being nominated for a book oh, award. Wow. Like what? And so, which was mm-hmm. crazy. And so I was a finalist um, in the self-help category. So out of over, I think they said over 1500 nominations and all of that, I was one of the top like 20 wow. or something like that. And so what was really great about this one particular award, it was that um, it wasn't for the number of books you sold, but it was, it was for the impact and legacy you were trying to wow. create. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, well, and so the fact that I got recognized for that, yeah for the impact and legacy that I'm trying to create with my book and with my movements and what I'm trying to do. That was like everything. So I tell people, write the book, you know, who knows what it can, what kind of impact it could have on people. You just never know. I never thought that would happen for someone who was told you was one of the worst writers, (laughs) you know, so you just never know. Um, so, um, that's, that's how the book came yeah. to be. So, so, I mean, obviously it's a whole book, so I don't mean for you to, to, to go through the entire thing, but what is sure. the book, what is the book about? What is, what is the, the premise of the book? So the name of the book is, um, on your amazing discover your power to create, to create an amazing life you mm. love. So the whole idea is about, um, my own journey of struggling with owning my amazing. Mm-hmm. Let me go back and tell you how even the term own your amazing mm-hmm. came to be. I had gone to a weekend retreat for women uh, trying to find their purpose, trying to find more meaning, you know, just trying to find their life. (laughs) So I was like, that's me. Let me go. (laughs) And so um, I went uh, on the weekend retreat. So that Friday night I was there, I had met someone and she and I went out to dinner together just to get to know one another. And so the next day, that Saturday, it was time for the entire group to be together. And so at some point in the training, it was my turn to be in front of the room for the facilitator to help me with whatever issue I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. right? And so I sit down in front of the room and just start crying. I'm just mm-hmm. bawling. And so she was like, what's wrong? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just need to get my life. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not happy. And I can't figure out why, what's going on with me. And so the young lady who I had met on Friday, who I had gone to dinner with, she said, I know what's wrong with you. And I'm thinking to myself, we just met. (laughs) How do you think you know what's wrong with me? I didn't say that, but that was what I was thinking. (laughs) Like, you don't know me. We just met. Mm -hmm. You know what's wrong with me. So I said, oh, really? So what's wrong with me? (laughs) (laughs) And so she said, "Um, you're smart. You're brilliant. You're talented. She said, you're all these wonderful things. She said, but you don't own it. Mm. You need to own your amazing Mm -hmm. and stop playing small. Mm. 
I was like, you're right. You know me so well. (laughs) 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 It was like, that was it. That was it. I was like, oh my God, Hmm. that's it. Fair enough. The fortune teller. (laughs) The fortune teller. And so from there, on your maiden was born. It was birth. You know, it gave, she gave me the language basically that I, I needed to say uh, what I had been feeling, mm. you know? And so Own You're Amazing. So the book is based off of this whole premise of owning who you mm. are, uh, understanding your value, mm. understanding that we all are amazing no matter what. And we need to own that. We need to value mm. that. And then in the book, I talk about purpose. It's like, I believe we were created on purpose and for a purpose to live out the purpose. Like, why are we here? We're not just here just happenstancely, you know, we were not, we're here on purpose. Mm -hmm. And so we have to figure out, well, what is that? What is it? Why did I show up on the planet? What did I come to give? And then the last part of the book talks about sharing your brilliance with the Mm. world. We have so many gifts and talents, but like you say, we play small. Nobody can benefit from my brilliance. If I don't show up, nobody can benefit from my gifts. If I don't show up, if I don't give them, They're not for me. They're to me to give to other people who can benefit from Mm -hmm. them. So I know how to communicate, but if I never work with a child who doesn't know how to communicate, how, how's that going to help that kid? It's not. And so my job is to say, what can I do? How do I show up more powerfully Mm -hmm. that others can benefit from my brilliance? But a lot of times we discount what we have and who Mm -hmm. we are. And so that's why I start with the whole, know your worth, know your value, know that you came to the planet as unique, special is nobody else like you and nobody else like me. We're it, (laughs) you know? And so show up, give what you came here to give and do what you came here Mm -hmm. to do. And so that's really the premise of the book. Um, People ask me like, what's the best part of the book? My favorite chapter in the book is called divine design. Mm -hmm. And it speaks to the whole idea that I believe we were created by a creator Mm -hmm. And I believe we each are unique and special and divine. And I talk about how you can look at your fingerprints. No one else has your fingerprints. I I talk about when I do a workshop, I talk about your voice because I'm a speech pathologist. I listen to voices. Everybody's voice is unique. That's amazing. When you think about 7 billion people on the planet, nobody has your voice. Nobody has your fingerprints. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and we if we really get that, we will stop discounting who we are because we are one of a kind. Mm. There's nobody else like mm. us. And so that's where I, I believe your value starts. It's like understanding like, yeah, I, I'm amazing. <laughs> I'm amazing. Right. Regardless of external stuff, if I'm overweight, I'm amazing. If, if I'm fat, I'm amazing. I'm thin, bald, whatever, educated. It doesn't matter. Right. We are still amazing. And if people get that, it, it can really change their life. It can really change how they see themselves and how they move in yeah. the world. Yeah, I love I love what you said about how um, about how the, the lady that, that gave you that phrase gave you the language that kind of empowered you to, to see all of this. And the reason I think that's such an important point is because, you know, in, in this personal development or the, or the dreaded self-help term, I'm using air quotes around that, but but there's a lot of stigma with that too, just like there's stigma with counseling, right? Where people are like, oh, yeah. self-help, that's just, you know, that's snake oil or, oh, 
that mm-hmm. like the most common thing I hear is they just say the same things over and over. And, and I think that's so interesting because it is true that a lot of principles in life, and when I say principles, I mean kind of overriding truths, whether you want to acknowledge them or not, they're there, um, are also taught to us throughout our lives in cliches, right? Like, like, like you choose your own attitude and your attitude makes your day. Like that's, that's actually pretty true. But I'll tell you what, I heard that when I was a student in school my whole life and the whole time I was like, F that, I don't like school, right? <laughs> so it didn't right. resonate. So the point being, though, the, the point I'm trying to make is that, yes, some of these ideas are 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 true, and and we are just finding different ways to say them. But that mm-hmm. is so valuable and important because of what you just said. Because the truth was, you were already this amazing person the whole time, right? Like none of yeah. that, nothing changed when that lady told you that nothing about who you were actually changed however what it took was it took the language to resonate with you that triggered this epiphany within yourself and so i think it's so important that we continue to have people to enter this space and to share these lessons and to teach these principles because every individual to your point with their own unique voice says it in their own unique way and you and and we need that because there's seven billion of us, and so we need a whole bunch of different ways for this to resonate with people. Um, anyway, it just it just struck me when you said that about her helping you find the language and how that empowered you, and how I think that just translates to the broader personal development space at large, where um, we just we need to hear these things in a variety of ways. And the way I say it doesn't resonate with everyone. And that's okay. It's, it's not, it doesn't have to. But that's why I want to have someone like you to talk and get your voice out there because you're going to resonate with other people. And hopefully we resonate with some of the same people. But <laughs> <laughs> Right. But, exactly. but anyway, yeah, I just I thought that was really interesting. And that's so good because one of the chapters in the book is called You Are a Niche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are a niche. I am a niche. Or niche yes. You know? But the fact that we were, I believe, specifically created to resonate yep. with a certain group of people. Yep. It's, it's, no, it's not by accident, I believe, that it ha- has happened. It's like, yeah, there are certain people I'm going to resonate with. There are certain people you're going to resonate. That's why everybody needs to share their voice. Yes. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Especially when we're, when we're trying to help people, right? Especially when it's about trying to lift, exactly. people, lift people up. Like, we need to... As much of that as we can get out there, please, especially now in 2020, please, <laughs> please help people feel better. Absolutely. 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 So, like I tell people, I know I'm not everybody's flavor and everybody's not mine, but I am somebody's flavor. Everybody don't like chocolate chip ice cream. I do. <laughs> so everybody has their flavor. And so that's why everybody needs to show up as themselves because someone needs you exactly the way you yep. are. We don't need to have, we don't, I don't have to say it like the other coaches saying, I don't have to do it like other people. I can do it how I'm doing it. And that's the part about living authentically. Be you. Don't try to be like other people. Be exactly who you are because somebody needs you exactly the way you are. Period.
something else that you've talked about, um, you talked about in one of your, your Facebook chats that I'd listened to, and then you kind of spoke to it a, a little bit in, in the story that you were talking about. It, it really made me think of it when you were talking about that teacher that said that awful thing to you <laughs> when you were a high school yeah. student. Um, but, but what you were talking about in that Facebook chat is, is, is the idea of living with some level of intentionality. I don't know if that's a word, but being mm -hmm. intentional with your, how you spend yeah. your time and how you direct your yeah. thoughts. And I, the reason I tie that to the, to the high school teacher story is because if you don't, if you don't take time to be intentional with what you think, someone else will be intentional with you and they'll drive you down a road that in your case, where you think you're this bad writer for how long. Right. And, and, yeah. and it was, it wasn't true to begin with. Right. But, you do. Right, but, right. but if, but if you're not able to be in that space where you're constantly reinforcing and being intentional, life will do it for you. And and it might go well, you might win the lottery, but probably not because the lottery is pretty rare. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, maybe just what are your thoughts on, the, yeah. I mean, maybe expand on, on, on your Facebook chat, but what are your thoughts on taking the time to be intentional? Oh, that's so good. I'm so, I'm so glad you asked me about that. Cause people ask me that all the time. It was like, Oh, Dr. Nisha, y'all always seem so happy. It was like, I don't wake up mm. happy. I wake up, I have to be intentional about my day. I have to be intentional about what I listen to. I'm intentional about who I surround myself with because I understand those things will impact me. They will get inside of me. I like the um, illustration someone used about um, going on a cruise ship, being on a cruise ship. It said, being on a cruise ship is fine out in the middle of the ocean. The problem is, is when water comes in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Now you have a yep. problem. And so then I understand there's negativity all around me. Mm -hmm. I can't control that. But what I can control is what gets inside mm -hmm. of me. So I'm, I'm intentional about what I let inside of me. And so that's because of past experiences, like with my, my teacher and other people who are, who said some negative things to me that got inside of me. And so now I was like, I saw what that did to me. So I have to work on not letting that happen. Right. Again. And I know it takes effort to be like, no, I'm not going to listen to that. Or no, I'm not going to consider that because that's going to not, that's not going to make me feel empowered. Mm -hmm. I'm always telling people, tell yourself things, have people around you, whatever. It's going to empower you, not take your power and drain right. you because I've been there. So I, I'm intentional about what I think about, who I listen to, who, who I surround myself with, you know? Uh, I, I rarely listen to the news because to me, it's a lot of negativity that I cannot let, let them get si inside of me. I can't do my job as, you know, as an essential worker doing speech pathology in an office and listen to all that negativity. Yeah. I can't do that because once I get into that, I know the fear, doubt, worry, all those things can come inside of me and I can't do what I need to do. And so I have to work on not getting into conversations with people that are negative mm -hmm not listen to a lot of negativity. I have to stay hopeful. I, I make it a point to listen to positive things, positive people on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. I have to work at it. I have to work at it because if I don't, I know I can succumb to uh, a lot of negativity, a lot of stress, a lot of worry that unfortunately a lot of people are, are experiencing. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. It's, um, it's something that, that I, that, yeah, that, that's something that, that is again in this last year of my own journey is, is definitely um, shown itself to be true is, is the, the value of being intentional. I, you know, uh, and I, I promise I'm not going to go on some long political thing, but when 2016 happened, 
I could not believe that the man who is the president now was elected. Like I really. Um, and so I, because I, it, because it, it, I was just so shocked. So I, I started consuming tons and tons of political stuff. Right. Cause I was trying to make sense of yeah. it. I'm trying to understand it. Well, then what I found was that, I mean, and I did this for probably a year and a half where I'm listening to three, four podcasts a week that are one to two hours each that are all about politics and watching TV shows that are about politics and, and just consuming all this stuff. And then I found that like, I am getting stressed about this stuff and I am getting worked up. Yeah. Now, does it mean that it's not, imp that politics aren't important? Like, no, it doesn't yeah. mean that. Does it mean that, you know, that I, <laughs> do I plan on voting this November to get that dude out? Like, absolutely. Right. But, but otherwise, I mean, what else am I going to do? Like, that's how we, that's how we change people in office is by voting. Right. And so until that opportunity comes, that's kind of what I've got. And so mm -hmm. why am I spending all this much? I mean, more than 10 hours a week, right? Consuming this stuff that is making me feel stressed and anxious and angry and frustrated. And I just stopped. Now I still read headlines, right? Like I still, sure. I still mm -hmm. watch little news things here and there. So it's not that I've completely shut myself off from the world and, and buried my head in the sand. That's not my point either. Sure. But, but yeah, I had to really decide to be intentional about controlling how much of that was going to be a part of what occupies my mental space, you know? Absolutely. And so my thing with experience that was with, it's with COVID. Mm. Because speech therapy is essential, right? So I've been able to keep my office open, right? And so um, I had to really limit watching TV. I had to limit some conversations with people. Um, well, you know, people, oh, you might, you know, you might get it. Yeah, I know I might get it, <laughs> you know, um, be careful. Yeah, I'm careful. You know, I take precautions. I've been taking precautions, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I, I had to really distance myself from people and from, and, and I, I knew they had well intentions. I, I understood that, you know, but I don't want to get sick no more than you want me to get sick. <laughs> you know, I'm more concerned about my health and sure. else. And so I was like. So yeah, I'm going to take precautions, but I also understand that uh, the service I provide is mm -hmm. needed. And so, um, and during this time, uh, a couple of months ago, back in May, I think it was, I had a very close friend to pass away oh, from man. COVID. So that took me a few days yeah. to work through in the sense of going back into my mm -hmm. office. I really had to be intentional nope. again about being positive like okay do what you do, do what you have to do take precautions but it's going to be okay i had to tell myself you're going to be okay it's going to be fine you can go back in and so think about all the the doctors and nurses and people who have put their lives at stake every yeah. day if you're not intentional about staying positive that stuff will keep you it would make you stay home right right <laughs> and then no one can get the help right and so uh, that's been my thing. I'm still there. You know, we're still in the in the thick of this, you know, pandemic. Sure and so, um, but I'm much better now than I was a few months ago because, again, I'm, I'm intentional about it. Uh, I listen to the I, I listen to the news, the headlines, see what, how the numbers, how we're trending, all those kind of stuff. Of course, I need to stay informed, but after a while, I have to turn right. it off. Right. I have to turn it off. Right. 
<laughs> like, no, I can't let anybody. I mean, the me. media climate that we have today, unfortunately, it's it's become yeah. this blending of of news, which is supposed to be information and, and arguably facts. And I get a person has to communicate it, so there's going to be some bias to it, no matter who comes from. I get right. that, exactly. but right, it's shifted now from being largely informational based to also getting mixed in with with opinion and. And Absolutely. just like this talk show vibe, um, and it yes, yes, and it it's can, but unfortunately, and I, I get that they're in they're a business, right? They're they're trying to, to make money, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, mm-hmm. the the media companies, and this is not unique to one media company. This is at large. Right. They don't do a great job of making sure that the viewer understands when we're talking about information and when we're talking about someone's opinion about that information, and so then it gets conflated. Man, yeah, you listen to very much of that, and I don't know how you couldn't be worked up, right? Like, whether you agree or disagree with what you're hearing, one way or the other, you're going to take a position because it's it's designed to sell this sensationalism. Exactly. Um, And yeah. Exactly. So, so you know, we're talking about being intentional a lot, and and you've you've talked about how you you know go out of your way to to make sure you're picking and choosing what you're consuming. What are your kind of self care routines like? Um, what, what kind of thing, like for me, I'll I'll just, to to give an example of what I'm talking about, like for myself, you know, I do affirmations on a daily basis. I go for walks on a daily basis. I try and meditate daily. Um, but those are just some examples of techniques I use that, that help me with this intentional living that we're talking about. What kinds of things do you engage in? Um, I journal Mm -hmm. Yep, That's a great, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, um, I started a thing. I've done it from time to time, but just uh, I'm thinking I'm on day nine. I just started a, a gratitude journal. Mm. So I, I told myself for the next thirty days, I'm going to at least write five things every day that I'm grateful oh, that's so for. Good. And so today is day nine. So I'm excited that I I'm doing that. So what I'm doing a little differently is that I write I write five things I'm currently grateful for, and then I write five things that in the future I'm, I hope will, will mm-hmm. happen that I'm already being grateful for. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I'm going to come out of the pandemic even stronger. I'm grateful that I'm going to come out of the pandemic stronger in terms of my business. I'm already being grateful for things I'm hoping is going to happen in the right. future. And so that's been, like, really good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. It's coming, it's coming. But that keeps me positive. That keeps me in my energy up. But just gratitude journals, I make sure I take time for, um, quiet yep. time and meditation, yep. but especially when, um, a long day, you know, working with people, uh, especially young kids and their families, it takes a lot of energy. It's, it can be mm-hmm. draining. And so I've learned how to, um, turn it off. I've learned how to, uh, turn my phone off. I learned how to not answer emails and text messages after a certain time, because I, in the beginning, when I started my business, I would just respond all the mm-hmm. time. <laughs> okay. Now I'm like, nope, at a certain time, I shut it off. This is my time. I'll revisit that tomorrow. But just really setting boundaries have been really good for me in terms of my own self-care and uh, making sure I'm talking to family, mm-hmm. you know, um, just and just having fun. Yeah. You know, <laughs> sometimes I'll get in here and have a dance party. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, just anything that's going to keep me up and happy and positive. I try to do that on a daily yeah, basis. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Yeah, journaling is something else that, that I try and do on a regular basis as well. In the gratitude yeah. specifically, um, my that was something that my coach suggested because I was I was already doing the journaling, but it was there was it wasn't the gratitude piece, right? So 
So now what I do in my own practice is I'm, I, I journal and, and write whatever that diary entry or whatever it is, it looks like. Yeah. And then I go and I write similar to yourself. And I, I'm, I'm not as good as you. I'm only doing three. Um, but I write, <laughs> I write three things that I'm proud of about myself. Oh. And then I write three things that I'm grateful for. So it's kind of like it, the idea is that it's like this internal gratitude and an external gratitude. Because like I said about myself, I, like I had to learn to get past all this self-demonization, right? So for me yeah. personally, that that really mattered a lot. But um, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going I'm to start that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It, oh, I like and that. I, all credit to my coach, Ashley Thomas. I mean, she's the, she's the genius. Yeah. Okay. I'm, 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 gonna I'm just start a vessel. That so. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think I'm going to add that yeah, to my journey. Yeah. Well, that, that's really awesome. Um, so, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're coaching. Are you working with people that are just largely local in your area or do you work with people across the country, around the world? Like what does your, your client base look like? Uh, right now around the country, mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm based outside of Washington, DC, but I've had my clients in Atlanta, uh, North Carolina, Texas, um, got, a, I got two and I had one, one, one was in North in, in Maryland, but she's in Texas, but I have one in Texas. Now I'm having her write her book. Um, my business person, she's down in Atlanta. So all mm -hmm. over, all over. And that's, that's what I love about it is that, um, I'm not limited to just my, um, demographic geologic, you know, where I'm located. So I can serve people whatever, awesome. you know, awesome. that's what I really love about the coaching part. So it's been yeah, really good. Yeah. So, it, you know, if someone was listening now and, and maybe they're in a, in a place that, that, that where they're not feeling great um, and they don't have a coach maybe, and they don't have a counselor and, and obviously, you know, every, we don't know the details of, of a person's situation. Right. But Sure. Do you have something that you've that you've learned that's maybe a common tool that that's that's something that anyone can apply um, that that doesn't require them to have a coach or counselor and and not because those aren't valuable obviously they are we talked about that a sure. lot but just in the moment what what's what's something that you think someone could do to to try and help pull themselves out of a, a dark spot? You know, I, I I always start with my clients something as simple as getting a journal and journaling and answering some answering some simple questions like, well, who mm -hmm. are you? You know, we never stop and say, well, like, right, really, who am I for mm -hmm. me? How do I define myself? Mm -hmm. What do I what do I want? Mm -hmm. And so, it was interesting when I started working with my business coach client. The first thing I asked, I was like, what do you want? What do you want your business to look like? And she was like. I never thought about that. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, she said, you know, she had a lot of shoes. Should I do that? I said, what do you want? Mm. What do you like? What brings you joy? What makes you happy? We don't even stop just to answer those simple questions. Like, what do I want in my life? Not what I supposed to want. So my, my, my thing for someone, just sit down and just get, be quiet, <laughs> get still. Cause we we're running, 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 moving. Just get still. That's why I think this pandemic in terms of quarantining and having people to sit still mm -hmm. is good. Yeah. It's forcing people to sit still and be with themselves mm -hmm. and listen to themselves mm -hmm. because there's so much noise around us. It was so much noise around us. We were just moving so frantically that we didn't take the time to figure out who mm -hmm. we are. What do we want? What I want now and my life is so different than what I wanted 20 years ago. But if I didn't take the time to realize that, mm. 
it's like, oh, that's not important to me anymore. That's not a priority. This is important to me. But I took the time to say, well, what do I want my life to look like now? What, you know, what makes me happy now? You know? And so um, if anyone's struggling, it's just get quiet, get still, Mm -hmm. and just ask yourself some simple questions. Who am I? What do I want? What do I want my life to look like? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think you really described kind of two, two practices that, that we've, we've just touched on, but I mean, it, you know, the, the stillness, I think that I know for my, again, talking about myself and I'm, I'm so vain, um, but, <laughs> but you know, in my, own, in my own experience, like I thought that meditation was this, like, I had to be like a Zen Buddhist monk or something, you know, right. but, yeah. but, but what the language that you just used is, is really what it's about. It's about being quiet and being still and it doesn't you don't have to say ohm and sit with your legs crossed right. and hold your hands and i mean you can and anything wrong right. with it but praying is another version of that right um, absolutely and and or and then the other thing that you've described is is journaling right i mean that's what writing your mm-hmm. thoughts down is and i think that for me i found that the value of journaling is that i think when when we get especially if you get into anxious thoughts it can be mm-hmm. really easy for those to just just cycle over and over and over again. Right. And you just, you get stuck in a loop, but when you write, you're, it's harder to stay in the loop because when you write a sentence down your brain, and again, I'll me, my brain naturally wants to write the next sentence. I don't want to write the same sentence again. Now, if I'm thinking, I'll think the same thought for a a million times in a row, but I'm not going to be like the little kid in trouble in school. Who's writing the thing on the chalkboard over and over. Right. Like I'm not going to do that in my journal. So what it does is it kind of, you know, forces the mind to, to, okay, well then what would be the next thought? And then what would be the next thought? And even if, I mean, I've even started before and wrote down in the journal, I don't know what to write today, but I don't write. I don't know what to write today a hundred times. Right. I write (laughs) that and then another thing comes. Um, There's just a value in it. And again, I think that people think of these, and again, from my own experience, people think of these things and these, these, very narrowly defined boxes of like, oh, well, journal is uh-huh. dear diary and and meditating is this Zen Buddhist thing. Or, and it's none of that. It's none of that. It's yeah. None of that. And um, I used, when I first started journaling, probably over 20 something years ago, um, I thought I had to journal every yep. day. And then when I, when I didn't, I was like, oh my God. And then I beat myself up about not journaling. Mm-hmm. And then finally I said, no. You journal the way you, you, some days, sometimes I journal every day and sometimes I can go weeks without nope. journaling, but I know it's, it's there for me when yes. I need it. It's a tool. And it's a tool. And some days you're like, um, I need to talk it out, but some days there's certain things I just need to write it. Yes. Out. I need to process it in my journal. I need to process it and mull it over, you know? So, um, I have hundreds of journals that I've kept over the years mm-hmm. and, um, and I tell people it has. I feel like it's generally saved my life because it really helped me to process a lot of stuff yeah. that at the time I didn't have a life coach or a counselor or anyone to talk mm. to, but I knew I needed to get it yep. out. I needed to process it. I needed to mull it over. And so uh, it has literally saved my mm. life in terms of helping me just work through some some difficult uh, ideas and thoughts and all those kind of things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so. Um, I recommend journaling for everyone just to get your thoughts on paper, mm. uh, to hear your own voice, mm-hmm. hear what you have to say, because sometimes people may feel like it's not safe to say it out loud or whatever. Then write right. it, journal right. it, 
but that's another way of letting your voice be heard. Mm. You know, say how you really feel. You may not can tell someone who's hurt your feelings that, hey, you hurt my feelings, but I can write right. that. Like, yeah, that person hurt my feelings. Well, you know, this I'm disappointed that this happened like that. You know, so that kind of stuff has helped me to be able to process so many different emotions over the years. So I recommend journaling for everybody. Yeah, well, that's 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 really powerful. Um, and I, I, I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Like I said, I, I just like to think of, you know, again, if someone is in the moment, you yeah. do. And I think that, yeah, your advice is spot on. So um well, Dr. Denise, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you this evening. It has been a, a true delight yeah. for me. Uh, and I don't <laughs> say that to flatter you. I, you know, I, obviously we just hit it off here, but um, it, it, it's, before I wrap it up, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Anything I didn't get to? I, I'm kind of scattered as you've learned here in the last hour. So um, no, this, this has been good. I've, I've so enjoyed it. <laughs> I've so enjoyed well, it. You know, like you said a moment ago, you're working with people around the country. So um, I'm sure your voice is resonating with, with listeners. If someone wants to reach out to you to maybe work with you to, to be a coach or, or, or read your book and explore your work. I know we've got the website own your own amazing now.com. Is that where people should go? Do you have anywhere else people should go? I always tell people that's the first spot to kind of check me out is go to my website again on youramazingnow.com. But follow me on Facebook, you know, at Dr. Denise on Your Amazing. Or I'm on Instagram a little bit, but um, my website and Facebook is where you're going to find me the okay. most. Okay. Well, we'll we'll have links in the yeah. show notes for, for people to just click directly okay. on it. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, like I said, I've, I've listened to the, the, the Facebook chats that you'd done just this week and, and I found a ton of value and meaning in those. So I encourage people to go check those out as well. Uh, Dr. Denise, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yay. <laughs> Down the street, we came a running in Missouri without a Neighbors on the front porch strumming a Kool-Aid from the Dollar Tree. Summer nights we were chasing with kids playing hide and seek. Smell the brick chuckle burning, a watermelon runs in dirty feet. Memories of the love that you had. I'll help you find it. Bye.
Alright folks, well that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much again Dr. Denise for stopping by. Again, you can find all the links to ownyouramazingnow.com in the show notes and I highly suggest that you go check that out. I've also got a link for her Facebook in there. I also want to thank of course Misha Zarens for providing the music for the day show and of course, last but not least, thank you listener for listening to the show today. I also want to encourage you to check out my other podcast Pick Up Your Sticks which is co-hosted by me and Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games And instead of just doing news and reviews and current events, we also try and talk about why gaming matters and talk about our emotional connection to it. Pick Up Your Sticks is available anywhere podcasts are found, so wherever you listen to The Walk Show, you can find Pick Up Your Sticks. Thanks so much again for listening. Have a great week. Stay up. Stay up.